down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Uh, God is really good, and he will, he will answer your prayers if you remain faithful to him. So I just want to pray for everyone and this service. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this day, for this church, and for this service today, Lord God. I pray that you would bless everyone here, Lord, that, uh, Lord God, that people would not be afraid to bring their prayers to you, Lord, to not be ashamed to worship you, Lord God. And I just ask, Lord, for your presence to be here in the midst of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Such joy and gladness, my heart can't keep 
that word is for you, just lift your hands and receive right now. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you just let it flow, God. Rivers of joy. Come on, rivers of joy. From heaven right now, just receive. Come on. We receive your joy. Come on, and as he pours it out over your life, come on, just give it back. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to sing a song to the Lord this morning. embracing you and it's joy
your name. Shoto robo bo kira Oh God, you are worthy. You are worthy, saints, this morning. The power of the Holy Ghost is inside of you. The presence of the Lord is where you go. The presence of the Lord follows you in your workplace. It follows you home. It's with you in your car. The presence of the Almighty God is in you. We need to know it. We need to be aware of it. Because where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's freedom for everybody who we're around. It will set people free. And if you're here this morning, the Spirit of God is here to set you free from the things that are holding you back from Him. Before we sing that one more time as a declaration, as an anthem, as a prayer to God, I want you to look in yourself, look in your heart right now. I want you to think about things that are holding you down, pushing you down, the stresses of life. And if you've been born again, they cannot have mastery over you. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. There is liberty. And we need to walk in that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way. I know he's working this morning. I don't want to rush it. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. As, your, as believers, as your disciples, we want to walk in the power and the, and the authority of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is over our lives, and demons will flee at his name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's sing that quietly. Come on, I surrender all one more time. Let this be your prayer to your king this morning. And mean it. surrender our cares to you things that are happening in our life that are out of our control we surrender it to you because we want you to be in control you take care of it Jesus whatever the case may be whatever you're facing he is your creator he'll take care of it vengeance belongs to the Lord his way is perfect and he makes straight paths for our feet let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning come on he is worthy of our praise, King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, look to your neighbor, give them a high five. Let them know that you're thankful that they are here. Come on, look to your neighbor side to side in the back. Let's share some love with everybody around us today. As we dismiss the King's kids at this time, you may find your way to your seat. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here today. Welcome to Metro Praise International this morning. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. As they put the scripture on the verse, I want you to know this message for, is for those of you 
who are not living for God. You have not fully surrendered. You have not been born again. You're not in right standing with Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That is the Apostle Paul speaking. And I want to let you know this morning that Jesus came because we needed to be saved. We needed to be rescued from our sin. We needed to be rescued from the destruction that was in our life because of one sin. One sin that Adam and Eve committed in the Garden of Eden. One act of disobedience brought death to the whole human race. And Jesus came. And this is a trustworthy saying. It is not a lie and it should be accepted fully that Jesus came here to save sinners. And every single one of us needed to be rescued. And you could either accept the rescue or you could reject it. And you could think for a moment, all of the tragedies that, is, that has happened upon our earth, floods, earthquakes, tsunamis, if at any time those rescuers came down and offered them a, a, a lifesaver or offered them a raft to get on, can you imagine those victims denying it? Can you imagine any of those victims saying, no, I'm good. I'll just hang on this tree till the waters recede. I'm good. I don't need to get in a boat. I don't need a lifesaver. I'll swim for days and be okay. I don't think anybody that was a victim of destruction on this earth, any of those tragedies that we see, would reject a rescue. And yet so many people in our world today reject Jesus who is the only one that could rescue us from death, who is the only one that could rescue us from eternal damnation and hell. So with all eyes closed all across this room, believers, I want you to pray because there's people here today that must be saved. If you are not right with God, today is your day for salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Receive the salvation, the saving grace, the saving power of Jesus because he died so you could have it. And as I begin to pray, I want you to pray. And I want you to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. I thank you that they are here. And I ask, oh Lord, that your loving kindness right now would draw them to repentance, that they would turn from their wicked ways, that they would turn from their own ideas, from their own plans, and submit to your plans, God, to your ways, to your word, that today they would be saved. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody said amen and amen. If you could please stand to your feet with me. We're going to have prayer workers here to the side. If you prayed that prayer and you mean business with God today, I want you to see these prayer workers, Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto, during our fellowship time. They will pray with you, encourage you, and they will show you how to get plugged into the church through discipleship because you're not meant to walk this journey by yourself. We are here. Leaders are here, to, are ready to walk through this life with you. We're going to confess our confession of faith together. The reason why we do this together as a church every week, it's because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see society, the world around us. It's through the lens of scripture. So if you're ready to do this with me on the count of three, let's go. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. 
I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. And the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone and Christ alone, by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Hang out, meet somebody that you don't know, share some hugs. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. God is good. I know you guys are excited. You guys got 
about your hoodies. If you don't know, we have hoodies on sale, Chicago for Jesus hoodies. They are $20. If you're interested, let us, let us know. We'll hook you up today. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Our service is here our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. So if you're in that age group, you got to be here on Fridays. If you know kids in that age group, you got to invite them. This is the place to be on Friday nights for teenagers. They're loving on Jesus. They're winning their friends for the Lord. And God is going to do an amazing thing in our generation through them. We want you guys to join us for our All Nations Dinner November 15th for both of our services, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. We will be enjoying all the delicious meals that you guys will be bringing, representing your country. So come hungry and come with a lot of food in your hands to share with everybody because it's going to be a good time. We want everybody to be there. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor, say love God. Look to your other neighbor, say love people. And those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And that's why that's our vision, because that's how we want our life to be lived out. And our discipleship strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. It's very simple. The way we want you to connect to, to the church and connect to Jesus is through our life groups. If you could please wave your hand out in the air. Come on, everybody wave it like you care. It's okay. Turn it around, and you're going to see our life group schedule for this quarter. So take a look at it. Find a place to belong for you and your family. Which one is going to meet your needs? There's so many different types of life groups that we have that meet at different places and different times. So there's a life group for everybody. Here's a snapshot of what's happening just this week alone. Sunday today, we're kicking it off for, with our marriage group. We have child care included. Today it's going to be at 5 p.m. If you are married, you have got to be there tonight. We're going to be talking about marriage and finances. So check out that address. Meet us there at 5. Tuesday we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. meeting here at the church. Wednesday every week we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. That's our Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. So if you have children, this is where you want them to be on Wednesday nights. Thursday, we have our gang outreach. Come on, give it up for that. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They're hitting the streets and they're winning the gang bangers for the Lord, preaching the gospel. Every Friday, we have two Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. Both is for 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Child care is included. So if you're an adult, you got to be at those life groups. If you're a teenager, you got to be here for the service. And then Saturday, we also have our evangelism team. All ages are welcome, 5 p.m. Meet here at the church. We want to encourage and challenge everybody. If you've never street witnessed, preach the gospel on the streets. You've got to check out that evangelism life group. They'll teach you all that you need to know. So there's no reason to be nervous. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be nervous. It's okay. So check it out and do it. Then we want to mentor you, okay? We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. And we want you to get plugged into this because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where your discipleship journey will continue and will train you up to be a leader in the church because we want to send you out to keep winning more. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say amen. Look to your neighbor say, you got to come with me. Look to your other neighbors say, I'm not leaving you behind. I like when you guys talk to your neighbors. It's fun. It's a lot of interaction. Makes it exciting. We're going to finish off section three of the Disciples Giving book. 
all, which was all about stewardship. We're getting into a, a, a new section next week. But we're finishing off with lesson 14, stewards leave an inheritance. This is so powerful, this one. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So for about three months, we've been learning about stewardship and managing well what God has given to us in our care because we want it to give him glory. We're going to read in Proverbs 13.22. Proverbs 13.22, you can look up at the screen or follow along in your Bible. It reads, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Let's read about what that is all about in these three points to follow. Number one, a good person. The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, commands people to do good by forsaking evil. Therefore, it is a good thing for Christians to leave an inheritance for their children and grandchildren. And that's why now today we must be good stewards of everything that we have because the Bible says we should leave an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you think of your life, if that wasn't done to you, you can see it was a little hard. And so that's why our focus needs to be we want to do that now for the generations that come after us. Number two, leaves an inheritance. An inheritance is basically the act of passing on material goods, wealth, and property to someone else after they die, after you die. The Bible states that our inheritance should primarily be given to our children and grandchildren. And the way that's going to happen is if we're wise stewards today of what we're doing, how we're spending our money, how we're giving to the Lord, and allowing him to be involved in that aspect of our life so that we could accomplish this in the future. And number three, sinner's wealth. Those sinners, non-Christians, may give an inheritance to their family now. Ultimately, everything they have will remain on the earth after they die. As a result, when Jesus comes back to reign upon the earth for a thousand years, all their wealth will belong to the righteous. And just a side note here as well, as believers, not only do we leave a materialistic inheritance, but an inheritance of our faith as well. And so if you have parents and grandparents that were before you that have instilled an inheritance of faith, that's a special thing that will last forever. And so we want to give both to our children an inheritance of our faith and an inheritance that we can store up and say, we want to bless you guys when we leave this earth. Here's a summary. Work hard and plan ahead so you can give your family an inheritance. Let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, start planning your inheritance by living below your expenses so you can save and invest the excess. And number three, then make a will, purchase life insurance, and set goals for your savings. These are all practical, wise nuggets, okay, that we should be applying as adults, young adults. Doesn't matter if you're married. Let's work towards this. Let's be wise with everything that God has given to us. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you believe that, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give God our very best, our tithes and offerings. 
Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income, and an offering is anything above that, which we designate towards missions and building. We're currently in the building fund, raising the monies for that lit-up sign to go across the storefront building here in the front to light up the, the neighborhood. So we thank you for partnering with us. We thank you for your generosity. We're doing so awesome. Let's um, read the scripture in just a second. But before we do, I want to let you know that we have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using your debit or credit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other one is in the back with either myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, please see us after service. We'd love to assist you. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant uh, blessings and favor and mercy over our lives. I pray that we would leave an inheritance for our children and grandchildren, that we would be wise stewards, faithful tithers and givers to offering. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning. Let it meet the needs of your people in Chicago and that it spread the gospel message all over the nations. Use our offering, our gift, God, to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give. And thank you so much for your generosity. Come on, if you love Jesus, can I get a what? What? Oh, y'all lame this morning. If you love Jesus, can I get a what? What? Amen. Look at your neighbor and go, that's how we do it. Amen. Good to see everybody here this morning. Y'all got a little bit of that fall weather attitude today. I can tell. You guys are a little bit, little bit tired. I was in the back watching everybody worship, like little hand going up. <sighs> so hard. The frost came last night. I don't know what to do anymore. No, come on. And then the Cubs lost last night. It's like it can't get any worse. But listen to me. Isn't God good? God is good despite the winter vortex coming. God is good despite whether or not the Cubbies win or lose. 
God is good in the house, and look at you. You have so much to be thankful for. You're alive. You're, you're able to use your senses, your brain today. You have friends. If you don't have a friend, the person sitting next to you now is your new BFF, okay? Hashtag it. New BFF, selfie, and they'll just go along with it, okay? This is the greatest time of your life right now. Even if you're going through a struggle, even if somebody walked through the door and you just had a funeral this weekend, listen to me. The greatest day is right now because this is the only day you're promised. There's no more promise of tomorrow. We could all die right now now. So take this moment, live it out, be happy, and don't be worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We are in, or rather Matthew chapter 6. We are in our sermon series, The Kingdom of God. And we have been learning about all of these wonderful things that God has done for us in the kingdom of God. How many have been blessed by the kingdom of God messages? Anybody? A couple of you. But I want to tell you, man, that the kingdom of God has radically blessed and changed my life. Just this series, you know, I have not uh, spent as much time in this series as I have uh, in this subject as I did in this series. And I've really been encouraged. Today we're going to be talking about the parables of the kingdom. So I, if you remember, we were talking earlier in the, 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 like September, that Jesus talked about the kingdom more than anything else. Okay? So you're going to get a definition of the kingdom of God if you're new, new here today. But track with me. This is Jesus' number one subject. And that meant it was the number one subject of all of his parables. And how many like Jesus' parables? You all know Jesus' parables? How many right now, if I gave you the mic, you could tell me a parable? I'm not. I'm not going to give you the mic. But if I, if I just get, gave you the mic and I said, tell me a parable of Jesus, how many of you could tell me a parable of Jesus? Come on. Y'all, that's it? Man, I must not be a good pastor. Only like five of you know parables of Jesus? Let's do this one more time. Like, I'm talking all the parables of Jesus you've ever heard in your life. How many could tell a parable of Jesus? One more time. Raise your hand. I'm going to scan this whole audience. Okay. I know I got to work on you. I'm going to work on y'all right here. And y'all need some help. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad a lot of you do. What are some famous parables? Shout one out to me. Prodigal son's a famous one. That's a parable. What's another famous parable? The sower of the seed. We'll talk about today. that today. What's another one? The what? The bridesmaids, that's a good one. How about the Good Samaritan? Parable. So I want you guys uh, to think about these as we start to learn about kingdom parables today. Are you with me in Matthew chapter 6? If you're there, say I'm there. I got this new way I'm doing things now. I don't have to keep turning around with my little pointer. Uh, so just get ready for some uh, awesome new technology stuff here. But let's say this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you look at that key verse that we've been going over, that's bold right there. The kingdom come. That's what, uh, yeah, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. We have been talking about this for the last two months. We're going to end it next week with the kingdom coming. Everybody go, ooh. Listen, next week I'm going to give you my best end times message ever. 
I'm talking, I've been, I've been saved for 20 years, preaching for 17 years. I preach the end times at least once a year. I'm telling you, next week I'm going to study more than I've ever studied before. I'm going to look at prophecies. I'm going to look at all what's going on in the world. And I'm going to bring to you the best case possible, the, the best understanding of when Jesus is coming back. I am going to name a day. No, I'm kidding. But I, I just want you to see it, right, because we're getting closer. We're not getting further away. We're getting closer. I don't, I'm not going to make any predictions. I can't do that. But I will definitely tell you this. We're getting closer to Jesus coming back. So come next week. It is about the kingdom coming. But here's the kingdom of God. For those of you who haven't been here or just review for everybody, the kingdom of God is the Father's dominion over all creation ruled by his Son and our King, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. How many believe in King Jesus? How many have him as the Lord and Savior of your life? Amen. Would you trade him for anything? Would you trade Jesus for a World Series title for the Cubbies? No, you wouldn't trade Jesus for that, right? Would you trade Jesus for your family? Would you say, if I could live and have 80 years, happy family, I will give up Christianity for that? Would you do that? Some people do, don't they? They think God gets in the way of their family. Would you trade education? What if you could be an inventor, the smartest person in the world? Would you trade that for Jesus? Now, here's the good part. You can have all those good things and Jesus. Amen? You can have good things and Jesus. So you can have your education. You can have your family. You can have your finances. You just have to have one master, one king, one Lord over your life. And that's what Lord means is boss, master. So now we're going to get into the parables. And I really want to just give you the first little touch here of what it means to have a parable or what parables mean and why Jesus talked about them so much. So open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4 verse 33 and I want to tell you as a pastor I love parables because parables help me explain things and I've told parables here all the time and maybe some of you remember them as you're turning to Mark chapter 4 verse 33 let me see if you remember this parable how many remember the parable that I've told about the person on a tightrope riding a unicycle does anybody remember that one now I'm not going to have my feelings hurt if only two of you remember it because only like five of you remember Jesus's parables right so I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. Y'all don't remember mine. Y'all didn't remember Jesus's. That's okay. I'm in good company. A couple weeks ago in this same sermon series, I talked about being alone in a room like Saw in a warehouse horror movie. It's dark. It's pitch black. You're hearing people getting tortured. You can't see nothing. All of a sudden, though, you hear somebody getting free, getting help. You would have faith to believe help could come to you. Remember I talked about that one, and the idea was it's in this world. Sometimes it feels like a horror movie. Sometimes we feel we're alone. Sometimes it feels like we can't do the right. Uh, no, no, one is no good things are happening. No right things are happening. But if we can hear the testimonies of others, we know that God is with us. That's what that was sharing with us, uh, talking about. Now, look at this, man. This will blow your mind right here if you never thought about parables because it's so important to Jesus. Look at this. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. With many parables, everybody say with many, thank you, with many similar parables, if I can pronounce that word similar, there we go, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. So how did Jesus speak the word to them? With parables, many parables, as much as they could understand. So that's part of what you got to use when you listen to a parable is your understanding, because even if you didn't pay attention to what Jesus was saying, you wouldn't have got it there because obviously people weren't getting it. And you'll understand a little bit more about that later. Now look at verse 34. This is so key. Talking about Jesus. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. 
This means that Jesus never gave a spiritual uh, teaching, a spiritual nuggy-nug from heaven, a nugget. He never did that without it coming with a parable. Wow, that's important, isn't it? So if you want to understand the kingdom of God, we've been in this series for September and for this month of October, and we're ending it next month, the kingdom coming. You cannot understand, I cannot understand the kingdom of God unless we understand Jesus' parables. We have to pay attention when Jesus starts talking and giving us these examples. It says he never said anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So here's the thing you got to get is that you could have been around Jesus hearing these parables and not really know what they were meaning. You would only get the explanation if you were in his inner circle, his disciples. And I think that's still so much true today. You can come to church and hear me preach for an hour, but you will not get the true nuggy nugs of heaven unless you get into discipleship. Start the 101, the 201. Get involved into a mentoring program because there are things that can be blocking your vision and someone has to get into your life being led of the Lord to see how you can see better. You see, a doctor has to look at those x-rays to help you to get better. That's what discipleship does. And who do we get the example of making disciples from? Jesus. So he never spoke to them without a parable. And the only ones who got everything explained to them were the disciples. Now, most of you already know what a parable is. But I want you just to uh, see here the definition of a parable. The definition of a parable, um, let me see here, where are we at? Please forgive me. I'm refreshing. There we go. The definition of a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. So what we would call today like fiction, movies, are a visual parable. But in Jesus' day, there were no movies. There was no TV. So he used his words to paint the picture. So imagine you're hanging out with Jesus, and then he says, there was once a man traveling on the road to Jericho. See, you would know instantly what that meant. Because if you lived around them, you would understand what a road to Jericho was like. It would be the same way of me saying, imagine someone driving their car down 90. Boom, you click right in, right? Now, you, you would follow along with Jesus, and you would see the story playing out in your mind. And here's what I think has happened a lot of times, and, and you even talk to English majors, and they'll tell you this, that because we've become so visual, we see so much, you know, animation and TV and movies and all that, we don't use our imaginations enough. So Jesus, when he would tell the word story, it would make you apply your imagination. You would have to apply your understanding to really participate in it. And if you would listen to Jesus, you could see yourself right there in that story. Like this one traveling on the road to Jericho, he gets robbed. They leave him for dead. And then the Bible says a priest comes by but crosses to the other side and leaves him alone. Then a Levite comes by, crosses to the other side and leaves him alone. But a Samaritan comes. And then right there, if you lived in that culture, you would know what a Samaritan was. This would be similar to you being an all-white church, an all-white church in the South in the 1960s. And as I'm preaching to you, I'm saying, Bubba, your white friend got beat up by other white people. But here comes walking down the road, Kuta Kinte. Here he comes. Here comes the African. 
and you would get your attention immediately, and you would go, oh, what does he do now? You see, because Samaritans in those days were the ones that were hated on, treated as a lesser race by the Jewish people. I don't have time to get into how they became Samaritans, but when the Jewish people lived in Babylon and Assyria, they began to intermingle with the pagan nations, and that's where the Samaritan race or culture came from. And so they looked down on them religiously, ethnically, and treated them differently. But hold on, Jesus, the Jewish man, is painting the Jewish priest as the bad guy, the Jewish Levite as the bad guy, which was the superior tribe to be a part of in the Jewish day. And then all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes. If you were listening to that parable, you would be picturing something, and you would be wondering what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens. Kuta Kinte goes down to help Bubba. The Samaritan helps the Jewish person. He breaks the racial barrier. Racism dealt with in one parable of Jesus in the kingdom. Your brother or your sister is not the one who shares the same color of your skin, wears the same T-shirt of the sports that you like. Your brother or your sister is those who honor God, love God, and love people. I got brothers and sisters that are red and yellow, black and white, because we all precious in his sight. And I got people who look just like me, but they ain't for me. They don't have the heart of me. And when we die, they're going to be separated from me in hell forever. Because it's not about me trying to replicate myself in this church as the Chicago shore. Like I'm going to be some hipster here. I'm going to get all the hipsters to be here with me. No, no, no. Listen to me. I'm about finding brothers and sisters in Christ, those who love God and love people. That's my family. And that's what Jesus taught in the Good Samaritan. See, that's a story that will blow your mind. That will blow your mind right now. I, would, I could tell that to the Chicago Police District right now and say, imagine one of your guys is laying beat up, and all of a sudden a thug comes by and helps you. You see, we cannot paint the picture based on racism or based on what people look like, but on their heart. Now, today I want to give you one entire passage of Jesus' parables. I'm going to break down to you, by God's grace, six parables that Jesus says in this context of Matthew chapter 13. So please go there with me right now. Matthew chapter 13, I want you to see these parables in their very own context. How many believe the Bible? How many think we should read the Bible? Amen. So you're not going to be upset if we read like 40 verses today, are you? You love the Bible, amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. We are going to see these parables come to light. Let's go to the first parable. Somebody say that same day. Amen. Follow along there or in your Bible. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. He told them how many things? Many things. Now let us listen to this first parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. Now right here, all Chicagoans are like, what does that look like? <laughs> we don't even understand that. How many of y'all even been to a farm? Okay, how many of y'all like farms? How many of y'all going to go to them right now for the Harvest Fest and different things? I've already been to Gobert's Farm, right? We like farms. I wish I could live on a farm and then come to the city on the, you know, to preach and do ministry, but I wish I could live on a farm. They're beautiful, right? Right here and there, he's talking their language. He goes, a farmer went out to sow his seed. When I was in India on a mission trip, I've been there three times for God's glory. When I was there preaching and I was telling one of these parables, it just caught my attention all of a sudden. I was like, 
like right out here, <laughs> like this dude in the rice field is what Jesus is talking about, literally. And when I would talk about sheep and goats, literally there would be goats coming into the, to the huts that we were meeting in. They'd have to shoo them away. And I'm like, this goat here is like, with the, you know, you could see it right in front of you. Jesus is talking to an agricultural people. For us, it would be like there once was a man named Vinny who worked in a pizza shop. And he was sowing out his pepperonis. He was throwing them out. And on some of the crust, it was wheat crust. And on other of the crust, it, you know what I'm saying? That would be in our day and age. We understand Vinny the pepperoni guy. We understand bocce's or whatever that, what's that place? Is it bocce's that sells the big slices? We understand bocce's. We understand what it's like. At, you know, G. O'Donnell's, that's what it would be like. They're Jesus is talking right to them. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. You see what it says here? Whoever has ears, let him hear. I pushed the wrong button. I'm going to get this. Everybody say, I got an ear so I can hear. You see, that's what Jesus said right after he told the parable. Because if you heard that, you would say, I understand it. God's sowing seed. Some falls on the ground. Bird comes and eats it up. Some falls around just, you know, little shallow, cracky soil that's kind of part dirt, part rock. You know, it only grows so far. Sun comes out, scorches it. Bam. Others fall among the ground. It's good. But weeds are competing with the, the same sun and the same soil. And the weeds eventually win. Choke it out. And then the last one, oh, yeah, goes on good ground, bears fruit. They're tracking. They get it. But they don't have any explanation of it. See, they're listening, but they don't have any explanation. So he now tells them, hey, if you have ears, you better hear this. You need to pay attention. Now, this is what he had said previously that I read to you. The disciples came to him and asked, what, excuse me, why do you speak to the people in parables? So now they ask him, why, why are you talking like this? And now he replies to them. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. See, God does have favorites, but everybody can be a favorite. But if you don't want to be a favorite, you'll be left out. So it's like this. God loves the whole world, but the whole world ain't going to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you can, but you have to do what God says. And so we hear in this uh, passage, I mean, it's really simple. We see that a farmer's going out to sow seed, and I need to know this explanation. And so he's giving it to me in secrets. So look at verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and they will be given abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So he says, look, if you keep growing with me, learning with me, you're going to get more and more knowledge. If you don't apply the knowledge that you have now, what you have will be taken from you. What that means is you're going to go to hell because God gave you a brain now to think about it. And if you keep thinking about God, you're going to get more understanding of God. So there's a lot of people in this church that say, Pastor, I don't know as much as you. I don't understand this. Well, keep applying your mind to the things of God, and you'll keep growing it just like you would anything else. You can't sit on your holy backside and expect the understanding to hit you on the head. And then if it doesn't, you get mad at God and say, well, it didn't work for me. No, you didn't work it. See, you got to work the word, baby, for it to work for you. See, some people be twerking, I be working. And then sometimes I twerk the word too. I can twerk the word. Are you all listening to me? 
you got to work the word for it to work for you. you got to carry the word for it to carry you. That's what the Bible's talking about here. So he says, this is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they don't see, though hearing they don't understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For these people's heart have become callous. Everybody say calloused. You see, their, thank you, their heart became calloused. Have you ever talked to somebody with a callous heart? They don't understand the things of God? It's like they're seeing the same thing you're seeing, but they don't see it the way you see it. They may hear the same message, be sitting next to you right now, and not apply it the same way you're going to apply it. It's because their heart is callous. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see in your ears because they hear. How many blessed eyes and ears do I got up in this place? Amen. Are you coming to see and hear the word of God? And how do we see the word of God lived out through our lives? How do I know God's word is true? I'm seeing it lived out in my life. 20 years later, I'm still saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, somebody. Now look at this, continuing on. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. So now he's telling them, guys, this has been 4,000 years in the, in the human history making its way up to my point. I believe that all of human history is 6,000 years old, 4,000 before Jesus and 2,000 after Jesus. Four plus two is how much? Six. So after 4,000 years of human history, Moses, Abraham, all of the prophets, Jesus is now sitting there splitting time in half, and he is saying, they wanted to see this. The Son of God walk among them and explain it to them personally. Have you ever heard somebody say, I only believe in God if I see him? Jesus was there, and still people weren't believing in him. And he was telling them, see, there was prophets who did love me who were waiting for this, and now I'm in your presence, and some of y'all ain't even paying attention. It could be similar to me saying some of y'all ain't paying attention now, but you'd be paying attention at the Cubs game. You wonder why you're jacked up. You wonder why you don't understand what's going on in the world. You wonder, you look at this, keeping up with the Kardashians. Just look at this, for example. Here's our modern-day family. One of the men turned into a woman. Another of the men is laying right now on a hospital bed because he was ODing with drugs as with prostitutes. And another one, Disick, is in himself for rehab in and out. See, what are we seeing as we keep up with the Kardashians? That they're on their way to hell. And now we got Oprah Winfrey putting out her video belief. And I know it sounds cute and cuddly, but listen to me. I've studied other religions. They're not the same. We may have similar beliefs because we come from the same maker. But we're not all the same. And there's a difference between loving Jesus and just knowing about Jesus. If I love Jesus, I obey Jesus. If I know Jesus, I can treat him like I do anybody. Or if I just think I know about him in history, I can treat him like I do anybody else. When I went to India, there are their God. They have no church separation of state there. I mean, it's just their gods are everywhere. They're in the mall. They're everywhere you go. But there are more homeless people, more impoverished people. Why? Because in the system of karma, the Indian people are taught that those who are born into poverty are being punished by God. So don't help them. Let them suffer. And then they'll learn their lesson and move on. We have, we have people now in the world that think karma is something cute and cuddly. But I've seen what karma leads to in India. And the rich, they live without a conscience to helping the poor because in their mind they've been blessed through their past lives. And so you understand now why someone like Mother Teresa would go to Calcutta. Why? There's a billion Indian people. Why didn't they use their wealth? They found in one temple, just like Indiana Jones in India, over $2 billion of golds and gems in their temple in a poor village where people don't even have water. 
And they did nothing to help the people. They just talked about it and went on. Why did we have to send the Christian missionaries there? Because the Christian missionary values every life the same. No matter what caste system they're born into, study the caste system and how it played into their religion, the Brahmin class, the priestly class being the highest class. And I could be here all day with Islam. And I could be here all day with Buddhism. And I could just help you to see it, but I'll just tell you this right here. Jesus is alive. They're dead. Follow him. Amen. Follow the one who has risen again from the dead. And don't think that I'm an ignoramus. This is historical fact. Amen. But the prophets and righteous people long to see this. And Jesus says, now it's here, but some of y'all don't want to hear. But to his disciples, verse, seven, uh, verse 18, he said, listen. Everybody say, listen. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Whoever, who, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. You mean people who have hard hearts and don't understand the word, it's their own fault? That's what Jesus is saying. So whether I go to Wright College and talk to a professor or to U of I, wherever, when people say to me, I don't get this, and that's somehow God's fault that I don't believe in this, they're not understanding the human responsibility. If you don't get this, it's because you haven't applied yourself to this and your heart is remaining hard. I could tell you the story right now about Lee Strobel, who was a lawyer who worked in the investigation department of the Chicago Tribune downtown, who was a lifelong atheist who made it his job to disprove Christians whenever he met them along the life's journey that he had. Well, eventually his wife becomes a Christian, goes to church. He's so upset with her. He's so mad with her. He says, I'm going to go to that church and I'm going to talk to that pastor, assuming that pastor was an ignoramus in his own mind because he was educated. He was smart. He was a lawyer. He could investigate truth from error. He thought a pastor would be just a simpleton. He goes to that pastor and he says, listen, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge this book. I'm going to research it and I'm going to apply understanding and I'll come back and I'll show you how that's not true. And he knew that the greatest place to disprove Christianity is at the resurrection of Jesus because it all stands and falls on whether or not this man claimed, to, uh, whether or not he was who he claimed to be. And if he raised from the dead. And even Paul, one of our apostles says, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're all to be pitied and this is a waste of time. Lee Strobel gave himself one weekend, and he told the pastor, I'll be back next weekend. But it didn't take one weekend of investigation. It took him into a few months, and then it turned into a year. And then he repented, gave his heart to Jesus, because he saw the evidence that demands a verdict, that there is faith and there is evidence that shows Jesus raised from the dead. And then he wrote the book. He wrote the book, The Case for Faith. As a lawyer, the case for faith has become one of the most popular Christian read books and now he teaches all over the country and I challenge anybody here today that questions anything of what Jesus said to go back and study his word, to go back and study it in history, to go back and apply everything you know about what you think you know and to see whether or not it proves to be right because your eternal soul is at stake. If you go up to heaven on judgment day, un, not born again, and you say, well, I didn't understand any of that, you're going to hell, Bubba. You ain't going to heaven. Poor Bubba, amen? He needs help. The evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. So that means right now, if you don't want to apply understanding to what I'm saying, the devil will come and take it. The next one, the seed falling on the rocky ground, refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, somebody say no root. 
Thank you, no root. They only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they fall away. They quickly fall away. So the next one we see goes into the ground, and it just has like a little crack to fall into. And so when the sun comes out, scorches, and he says, these are people who love Jesus on good days, but they turn their back on him on bad days. The question of suffering in this world has turned so many people away from God because they think if they're in trouble, if their life is having bad things and they're a good person, then that must mean God doesn't exist. But they don't read the Bible. The Bible is full of stories where bad things happen to good people. Joseph was thrown into a pit by his own brothers. I mean, you think you had some crazy siblings. How about being thrown into a pit? And then his siblings sold him into slavery. Some of y'all might have would have tried that if you could. But, I mean, that's what they did to him. He's thrown into a pit. He's made a slave in Potiphar's house. He's then betrayed by Potiphar's wife and then put into prison. But God never left him nor forsake him, and he made it to be a prince in Pharaoh's house. So whether it was in the pit or Potiphar or in prison, God was good with him. And God will be good to you, so don't give up. You can go through your troubles with or without Jesus. The person who came in here today with the worst troubles in the world. Listen, you deny God. You put a 666 on your forehead. You've done nothing. Your troubles haven't gone away. You still have them. And now you've denied your only source of hope and help. Don't be a fool, the Bible says. Come to Christ and trust his sovereign hand. Trust the sovereign hand of God that he will bless you and protect you when you don't understand. Come on, somebody say this with me. I will trust. God's sovereign hand when things happen in my life that I don't understand. Come on, look at the next one. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. And I've seen this happen all the time in the church. Not only have I seen people get all excited and then quit once something goes wrong, I've seen people go throughout their life living for Jesus. And this weed scenario could happen at any time where two major causes make them want to walk away from God, either worries or wealth. The worries of this life could be, well, when am I going to get married? Let's say you're a single person here. When am I going to get married? When am I going to get my bae? Is that how you pronounce that silly word, which I hate? When are you going to get your bae? When are you going to get your boo? That's what I say is boo. I'm old school, amen. Where's my boobster boo? Right there, holla. That's my boobster boo. You know how we do. But look. Some single people are like, Psh, I'll throw it all away for the pleasure of sex. I'll throw away my Christian walk for the pleasure of going out to clubs and living ungodly. Uh, and then there's other people, I'll throw out my Christian walk for money. All they have to do is say, work on Sunday, do this, we'll pay you overtime. And then we don't factor it into our schedule. Now, I know some churches can have services on Saturday, whatever. But if you're part of a church and God called you to be there and it's Sunday and you just throw it out like it's nothing, you're going to pay a price that they haven't told you about. You're going to buy something you don't know what it is. They're selling you something. You need to know what you're buying before you take it home because I'm telling you what, God says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Sometimes I see these young adults are just college students. They're willing to give up all on God just so that they can work in the mall and make 20, uh, and work 20 hours and make $5 an hour. Hey, don't sell your soul for that. If that's all it takes now, young adult, is one relationship, one job. Man, the devil got you easy. And I'll tell you the same thing as adults. If all he has to do is give you that house in the suburbs, give you that nice car, give you that new thing, I'm telling you, you will find out it doesn't pay off in the end. 
And then, of course, worrying. Some people just don't want to trust God coming to church hurts because it reminds them of the things they're not willing to do. And they would just rather sit on, a, sit on the lump on the log. They would rather have their own pity patty party. And I met people like that. And you would say, like, man, who would give up Jesus for a pity patty party? I'll let you know who they are on Facebook. You can tell them I said so. No, I'm kidding. But I know who they are. I meet them all the time. They know they're depressed. They know their life ain't right. Well, why don't you come to church? Well, I just don't want to make my husband or wife mad. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to happen. I don't have a lot of time. I work all week and I'm tired on Sundays. Well, go to hell if you want. I'm going to go to heaven then. I'm being honest. I'll be old school with you right now. I'm telling you, you will not go to heaven, people, with worry as an excuse for not serving God. You won't get in. Your own worries will keep you out. The very thing you hate the most will keep you out. It's like bitterness. You hate it, but it keeps you in chains and bondage. Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free. Somebody say the good seed. I literally have five parables more to go through after this, and we need to get it on. Amen? I am so serious. I am on parable number one. Just so you can see this, I'm on parable number one, and we've got six parables to go through. How many think I can do it in the next half hour? Y'all love me, huh? You believe in me? Praise God. Thank you. Let's keep going. Look at this last one. This last one is where we see God showing us what it's about. Because we want to be the good seed. Amen. Somebody say good seed. But the seed falling on good soil. Everybody say good soil. Because the seed, by the way, was always the same. That's why I need to clarify here. The word was always the same, but what made the difference was the heart. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and what? And what? Understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. That's the one, the one who applies their understanding. So looking at the first parable, the farmer, the seed, and four types of grounds. What do we learn? The lesson is the kind of choice you make when hearing God's word determines the kind of heart you will have. So all of us here have a chance to hear God's word. And now we respond, and how we respond determines our heart. If your heart is hard, it's because you have not applied your understanding. If you feel like quitting because of persecution and troubles, you have not let the roots go down into who you are. If you are willing to quit as weeds choke you out because of pleasures and worries, it's because you are not pruning them and allowing the fruit of God's promises to flourish in your life because God has called your heart to be good ground. If you need a change of heart today, the kingdom of God has one. He will do a heart transplant, but you have to be willing. You have to understand. You have to believe. Can I hear an amen? The next parable that we see Jesus tell is the weeds and the wheat. Everybody say the weeds and the wheat. Thank you. The weeds and the wheat continue right on in this passage. We see now Jesus going on to verse 24. Jesus told them another what? Another parable. Does Jesus like parables? Do you like parables? Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like. Now listen to that. He now uses that famous phrase that I said that in the first week of this uh, sermon series that was important to understand. The kingdom of heaven is the same thing as the kingdom of God. God and heaven are interchangeable there. Heaven is where God lives, so that's why it refers to the same place. And what you see now is that Jesus is clearly trying to get your attention. You want to know about that place coming. You want to know how to get in. You want to know how to live there. You want to be in my kingdom. Here's a parable. How many want to be in the kingdom of heaven? Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. Now, how many people think Jesus knew something about farmers? Because he keeps talking about it. Amen. 
Like for us here, we're like, Jesus, I'm getting a little bored, you know. We want to hear it be like, and there was a woman who went into Macy's. And she looked at one dress on sale and another one, and then she had to compare and to bargain which one was she going to buy. You know, like we're wanting to see that. And a woman went into DSW Shoes, you know. Is that how you say that place? Why are women looking at me crazy right now? Am I offending you? Y'all don't like to shop? So you mean if I gave you each a $100 gift card, you wouldn't be ah, all excited like on Oprah Winfrey? Come on. You know you guys like to shop, okay? So we, we, we got to just stop right here. We got to understand God is speaking to people in a culture that's not ours, but we need to apply understanding to think about it how they do. So he, he says, here's a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. How many know there's always been haters? There's been haters in every generation. What type of crazy hater you got to be to go into somebody's field sowing weeds? But that's how people hate. Just like how people hate on your Facebook, putting on those me things, talking about you. There's still haters there. Sowing weeds. Sowing weeds on social media. Oh, it's a big deal, parents. Teenagers commit, commit suicide because of the enemy sowing weeds on social media. You better be careful, right? Now, we know the enemy's the devil, but he sure loves to use people. Whose side of the war are you on? Are you speaking words of positivity and blessing or words of negativity and cursing? But while the enemy was, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Little sneaky snake. What's wrong with him? When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Oh, the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Now, we're not farmers, but how many can you understand that? If you pull up something that has roots, it can take up some dirt and the things around with it. And so if these weeds and wheat are growing together and you pick up the weed by the root, you could be taking up the root of the wheat as well. Verse 39, let both grow together. Somebody say, let both grow together. I'm about ready to start preaching right here. Oh, what if I told you right now that God put that hater in your life for a reason? And he said, I want you to go together through this situation. What if I told you God put that crazy coworker in your life for a reason? What if I told you that even God allowed the hurt and the pain of your life for a reason? Woo! Come on, somebody. You may say, well, God's a meanie to do that. But what if I told you that what they meant for bad, God turns for good? What if I told you that every situation that they tried to bring against you actually caused your roots to go down deeper? What if I told you that God used this to strengthen you? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm about ready to get happy. Would you believe me if I told you everything is father-filtered and God is working it out for your good? He didn't say they were good. He didn't say the weeds are good. You're going to find out what happens to the weeds. But he said, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be what? Burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Now watch, once again, we get to hear the explanation. Verse 36, then the crowd left. Who left? So those who just came on Christmas and Easter, right? The Christers. 
That those who just went to the Christian concert, those who just listened to K-Love to feel good in the morning, the crowd left and went into the house. His disciples, who came to him? His disciples. Well, I got any disciples in the house today. Amen. Any disciples of Christ came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Praise God that Jesus explains things. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. We got any kingdom people here today? The weeds are the people of the evil one. Now, I want you to understand this right here. You're sitting, you're, you're a disciple. You're hearing this. You understand weeds are getting burned. You understand a weed is not a good thing. And he has now just said, these are people. People. My friend, hell is not a place just for an ambiguous sin called murder to go. Like on Sesame Street, you know, it's spelled with an M, a U, an R, and it dances around. No, no, it's not a place where murder goes. It's a place where murderers go. Hell is a place not where lies go. It's where liars go. It's not a place just where idols go. It's where idolaters go. Thieves, the ungodly. He said, the weeds are the people of the evil one. Now, you listen here to me today, my friends. If you don't know Jesus, you are an evil one and you are a weed. And you better understand this. You're on the wrong side. The enemy has sown you and he is the devil. So, friends, listen to the rest of this if that is you. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. Listen to me, my friend. I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you are not born again, you will be thrown into the fire. But I thank God that you can change. And it won't be by your own effort. So don't be discouraged if you're thinking God says, well, now a weed just has to become a wheat. I want to try so hard. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's me trying. Mm. Here I try. I'm going to try to be a, a wheat now. I'm tired of being a weed. Mm. Here I go. God doesn't say that. By grace you are saved through faith. In Christ Jesus, you become a new creation. Be born again, and you'll see the kingdom of God. Well, I was born a sinner, and I got all these jacked up things on the inside of me. Well, get born again. Be made a saint of Christ. Don't, say, don't stay a weed because weeds get burned. The Son of Man, verse 41, will send out his angels, and they will weed out, his, he will, they will weed out of his kingdom Everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And if you weren't clear on it, look at verse 42. They will be thrown into the burning and blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Y'all want to go there? You want to go into the blazing furnace? Do you want to go where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? So we can understand. How many understand this parable? Right? Now look at this. Then the righteous, praise God, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You will go from glory to glory to glory. There is a promise for you. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So does anybody here have an excuse to go to hell now? Absolutely not. Excuse me. We've been told, haven't we? Does Jesus love you? But is he Barney Jesus? The Jesus that we serve has a hell, doesn't he? And those who go there are those from the evil one. Look at what the lesson is. Those who follow God will always be surrounded by those who don't. And only God knows the difference. I think the greater lesson here, even more than the judgment, is the very fact that the weeds are growing with the wheat. In your life, you will have people who don't want to live for God. 
but God is allowing them to grow with you for two reasons. Number one, it's their choice. So God did not force you to live for God. He won't force them. So there will always be a world of people who reject him and a world of those of people who accept him. That's the first reason. The second reason is, is that God is using their evil. He is using what they have done to strengthen you. <laughs> Excuse me, how many of you have come to this church because of problems in your life? Let's be honest. The Bible actually says it's harder for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of the needle. Now, help, help, me, under, help me explain this to you and to be honest and tell me if you can relate to this. When your life is good, when your bills are paid, your heart is at peace, when your neighbors are getting along with you, isn't it that time the easiest to forget about God? I even as a pastor understand this. I keep a journal. And when things are going tough, I'm journaling every day. It's like, God, I need you. Lord, I want you. Come into my heart. I'm worshiping. I'm praying. And then I can see that I'll miss days at a time when everything's going good. And then I'll come back to that journal now when I have to make extra time for prayer. And I'll realize that a week just went by. Why did I ease up on my discipline? Why did I stop going after God? Because I thought it was fixed. It's taken care of. I don't need to be in the presence of the Lord like I needed to be in the presence back then. What if I told you that God allows Satan a little bit of room to be vile upon this earth so that the saints will know the difference between good and evil? What if I told you that was a part of his plan all along of why he gave us a choice and let the devil to tempt us? See, I believe that's what it is. It's not that God approves of evil or he loves evil, but when we were created, he gave us a choice. And that tree was called the knowledge of good and evil, and some of us aren't convinced yet that evil is really evil. And so God lets you live in a world where you see it. When you see beheadings and the evil of this world, does that bring you closer to Christ? It should. When you hear about a friend, like I have one right now, one of my friend's daughters, his name is Dan Call, his daughter Liz is dying of cancer right now as we speak. Right now, they're saying it can happen at any time. When you see, not that she has done evil to deserve it, but the evil of sickness and disease brought here because of man's disobedience, does that bring you to closer to God? I'm looking at her Facebook posts and page. It's bringing everybody around her closer to God who will take time to understand because this body must go back to dust, and it will suffer a horrible death. But the spirit and soul on the inside live forever. But I'm still believing for a healing because God said he will conquer it even in this world if we ask him. But do the tragedies and the pains of this world that you are so next to strengthen you or cause you to doubt God. It should cause you to be stronger. This is the test we call life. The next thing he talks about is the mustard seed. Everybody go to the mustard seed. How many of y'all getting hungry? How many like mustard on their dog? How many like it on their Polish? Come on, somebody. I want to show you this as we continue on in the passage of Matthew chapter 13. Be patient. Think of it this way. There won't be no lines by the time you get to the restaurant around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Amen? Just think of it that way. There will be no lines. What church you go to? I go to a crazy church. I go to a crazy church. pastor preaches 12 hours. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, he told them another, are y'all getting tired of Jesus' parable? 
Sorry, Jesus. We're done with your parables. We've already had two for the day. <laughs> Is that how we are in church right now? Like, we're done. Like, we've had two. Like, I'm good, Jesus. I got enough. Like, seriously, when I witness to people on the streets, I'm like, you got time for Jesus? They're like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, what is Jesus, the appetizer? Like, you want an appetizer? No, I'm good. You want dessert? No, I'm good. I'm just, I got enough. I'm like, what? This is Jesus. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took out and planted in his field. See, third one about farming. There you go. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and actually becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. When we look to this uh, uh, mustard seed, has anybody ever seen a mustard seed before? When we look to this mustard seed, they would have known exactly what it was because they were used to planting. The mustard seed is literally that small. It is the, the size of a ballpoint pen's tip. And yet, when that mustard seed is planted, it becomes a tree. Now imagine you're with Jesus and he's talking like this. You get the greatest encouragement ever. Because you don't feel like one of those big oaks seeds, you know, a walnut. You don't don't feel like that in life, do you? I know I don't. Sometimes most of us, we just go through life, we just feel like this. Like this is all we got to offer God. Like God, I'm I'm just a mustard seed. I don't have any power to change my situation. But, God, I have this much faith. I don't have a lot. I may not have the faith of others. But, Lord, I have this much. And what God is saying to you, with this much, I can do that much. What God is saying is you bring to me what you have, and I will do what I can only do. What God is asking us is do we trust him beyond what we can see? Because when we look at that mustard seed, all we see is insignificance. All we see is something that really doesn't matter. But God is teaching us in this lesson that the the smallest amount of our faith and our effort can change the world. Because a great big God is with us. And you know that those farmers at that time understood it. Because it just had to blow them away. I mean, we know things now about botany that they don't know, but still it blows botanists away today. How does that little seed pack so much life? How does it go into that ground and germinate and change into that big tree? That is a miracle of life in itself. The scientists can explain it, but it can't say why it works. And so God says the same thing to you. Don't give up. Don't compare yourself to others. Look at what you have and give it all to God and say, Lord, I trust you. Aren't you happy you stayed around for that one? That's a good one, isn't it? Let's go to the next parable. We only got three more left. How many believe I can do it in 12 minutes? Amen. Y'all believe me. Y'all got that mustard seed of faith. Amen. Here the Bible says, verse 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through. And all my women bakers and cooks said, y'all, just, y'all, y'all got mad at me or something? I don't understand. Women don't like to cook. And all the men bakers and cooks said, okay. How many, I, how many of you guys like to watch the cooking channel? 
I love the cooking channel. As a matter of fact, most nights when the games are on, I'm watching the cooking channel. Seriously, beyond any like doubt, I'm telling you, I'm watching the cooking channel. Are, are, tonight, are, are the Cubs playing? I'll be watching the cooking channel tonight. Text me around 8 o'clock, and I'll tell you who's winning Chopped or whatever is on tonight. I'll tell you who's winning. That is just me. I don't know why God made me that way. Some of y'all who love sports couldn't even run to first base. I love you, but you lame at them. And yet you watch them and cheer them on. Hercule, like they mean everything to you. God made me a beast, a, a burly man of a man. Y'all so offended right now. <laughs> I see my wife laughing in the back. God made me a burly man of a man. Outrun you, outplay you, out hit the ball. All my young people. I'm taking you down too, Adam. Home run derby. I already took down Pastor Berta. All y'all. The Holy Spirit has just left. I'm out of here. This pastor, he's got too much pride. I'm coming back home, Father. <laughs> no, but I don't know what it is. I love sports. I play them like a man. I get hurt every time I play, but I don't watch them. I watch cooking shows. Now, anyway, when I watch the cooking shows, these judges are, like, so pretentious. They're so snobs. I mean, somebody could say they're so awesome, but I just hate them. I hate them. I hate them because they are so picky. But then people who know about cooking explain to me that they're actually right, and I don't know what I'm talking about. And one of those things is yeast. And if you don't put it into the dough, it won't do what the dough's supposed to do. It won't rise. It won't taste right. So you have to take that yeast and work it through the entire batch of dough. And it's those things that matter. Salt matters. You put too much, it's not good. You put too little, it's not good. It's just the right amount. Pepper, spices, all of these things matter. And what God is doing through Jesus here is he's teaching us a lesson. And the lesson is something that everyone here needs to know. And that is when we look at our lives, God is saying, I want all of my kingdom exactly the way I've ordered it and put it on the recipe to transform and impact all of your life. Sometimes we want to say to Jesus, no, 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 I'll, I'll make the recipe like this. And God is saying, no, 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 I want it like this. And sometimes we're saying to God, no, your yeast can touch this and transform my life in this way, but not this way. A lot of times, I'll tell you another parable within a parable. Isn't that deep? It's like inception. <laughs> a dream within a dream. A parable within a parable. So imagine someone comes into your house, and you're not prepared. Your house is dirty. What do you do? You get nervous. You feel ashamed, right? And then you start throwing everything into that closet. You're like, <laughs> okay, hold up. You can't go in here. Yeah, hold up. You're throwing everything into that closet. Now, this is what God is saying. God is saying, I just don't want to be in the living room. I actually want to go in that closet. I want to see everything you have in there. I want that yeast to go into every part of your life, and I want it to change you. And some of us are like, no, God, don't go under the bed because that's where I keep my secrets. Don't go into the closet because that's where I keep things that I hide even from my husband, my wife, my, my kids. And what God is saying about this yeast is it matters. Your life doesn't come out the same unless it touches every part. The Bible said, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Half or 90% will not do. Can I hear an amen? amen. He then tells us this next parable as um, Adam begins to come, please. The next parable that we see is the parable 
And look at verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Remember, we read that at the beginning. Now you know the context of that. He's now explaining that next parable as you're following along in the, the passage here. Now look at verse 44 of chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven, he says it again. Now it's got our attention it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Somebody say everything he had. When we look at this lesson, I combine these two parables, I combine them together. What he is saying is the kingdom of God is worth giving up everything for. Imagine you're a treasure chest seeker, and that's all you're doing in life, and you're making your living off of this, and while you're digging around on some ground, you find a treasure, but you're also an honest person. You know you don't own that land, so you're a shrewd businessman. You go to the person, hey, can I buy this land? You don't tell them what's on it. You don't have to, right? You're being shrewd. When you're making deals, you can be shrewd. Somebody say be shrewd. Amen. There's a, there's a parable about being shrewd in the Bible. How many have heard of the shrewd, uh, the steward, the shrewd steward? I'm not making it up. You can, you can withhold information when it's good and it's beneficial. So let's say you go to that guy and you're like, man, I just want to buy your field. Why do you want to buy the field? I just like your field. Let me buy it. How, well, I don't really like that field, so I'll give it to you for 50 bucks. Cool. You dig up that treasure and there's billions of dollars there, right? You have now just made the best deal of your life. That's Jesus' parable, by the way, okay? So if you guys are, like, wondering, that's, like, shady, you, you don't like Jesus, okay? Jesus told us the parable. Man found a treasure, went and bought the field, and then had the treasure. He didn't go and take the treasure and give it to the guy who owned the field and say, hey, did you know you had this here? He know he gets the shrewd deal and gets the treasure. Somebody say Jesus knew what he was doing. Somebody say Jesus could pimp Trump. Amen. That will make you all happy. Amen. All my Latino gente, pimp him, Jesus, pimp him. You shows him, Jesus, you shows him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should not be joking like that. <laughs> so Jesus is awesome, and what does it teach us, man? When you find something, it's not for everybody else first. It's for you first because until you get the fruit of the Spirit in your life, until you get the treasures of heaven in your life, you really can't give them out. It's like in the airplane. When the thing is crashing, they say put on the mask first and then give it to somebody else. If you're a treasure chest seeker and you're looking for the, th the real meaning of life, you've got to find it for yourself, and it's only found in Jesus. And here's the trade he'll make with you for the treasure, everything you have, everything you have. You want the meaning of life? You give up everything you have for his purpose in life. You want joy? You give up all your worldly pleasures. You want everlasting life? You want the blessing of heaven? You give up the earth and the things that you treasure down here. He then talks about the pearl of great price. This is a more standard deal. Hey, I got a great pearl here. It's worth a lot of money. I want that pearl. Okay, let's negotiate and I'll buy it. Okay, that's the deal. Now he's got that pearl. But here's the thing. The man who won the pearl, he said, well, I got about $20,000 in the bank. I'll come here to buy that pearl maybe for like $15,000. And the guy goes, I want twenty. dollars And the guy with the pearl goes, I'll, uh, the guy who wants the pearl goes, oh, I'll give you eighteen. dollars And the guy with the pearl says, no, I'll only take twenty. dollars Now at some point in this parable, that man says to himself, Okay, 20, everything I have, everything I have. Now, if he's a smart man, the pearl's worth more than 20,000, right? 
Can I have somebody come up? Ishmael, you're a good volunteer. Can I have uh, everybody give a hand clap for Ishmael, please, as he comes? Can I get somebody to give me a penny, please? Anybody have a penny on them? I love you. This guy is so awesome. Please help me out, Laura. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Let's give it up for Lydia with the penny. Thank you so much. Here is the nutshell of this parable. It's a parable within the parable. Are you ready? Here is this penny. It is all yours. Hold it in your hand. Tight. Now, this is what God is saying. This is your life. This is your penny. He has an infinite value to give you of treasure, eternal rewards, the glories of heaven. Let's call this an American Express black, black card, right? Let's say it belongs to Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, you know, Gates, $70 billion. This is what God says. I will give you the treasures of heaven if you give what you have. Now, if you go, but Jesus, that's everything. That's all I have because let's say the penny represents his family. The penny represents all that he has on his job, all of his education, all his you know, aspirations, his job aspirations, everything he ever accomplishes in life. That's it right there. But in comparison, it's nothing to God, but to him, it's all he has. Are you listening? Now, God will not force this into his heart. This is his heart holding on to it. And God says, do you want the treasure? Do you want the pearl of great price? If he says no, it falls on the side. Just like we read about the word, the seed, the promise, it's not for him. His heart is hard. He can't receive it. But if he applies understanding and hears the word of God and opens his heart, he can make it a divine exchange. Boop, boop. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Let's get, we ruined that example. But you, Can I give him that penny on behalf of you? Be blessed, man of God. Mm. Let's all stand up to our feet, please. That just made his day. You never know what's going to happen when you come to church. Just got a penny. Give up everything you have for everything God has. Is it a good trade? I think it is. Lastly, good fish and bad fishes. I'll just read it out quickly to you. Jesus told them this illustration to help us understand judgment one more time. You've already heard it in the parable of the, uh, the weeds and the weeds. But here he comes lastly. Jesus was around farmers, around merchants, around people cooking, and he was around fishermen. Once again, everybody say once again. Jesus knows that you're getting tired of these parables, but Jesus says once again. Amen. Somebody say once again. See, your flesh may be getting tired, and Jesus knows it. So once again. Come on, say it again. Once again. Now, that's a master communicator right there. He knows you're getting tired. He goes, once again, come on, don't give up. I got another one for you, and here's the scariest one of them all. <laughs> I love Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it onto the shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The simple illustration that we get from this is that one day God is going to judge us. Just like we learned about the wheat and the weeds, the good fish represent the wheat, the godly, and the weeds represent the bad fish, the sinners. And on judgment day, God will separate the two. One to hell and one to heaven. 
There are no other options, so make sure you've chosen the right one. But I want you to see Jesus in closing. I hope that you fall more in love with him listening to him talk. But what I love about Jesus is right here. Look what he says. I love Jesus. He says, have you understood all these things? That's your Jesus. The Son of God coming down to earth tells us six parables. And then he says, do you get it? Do you understand what I'm trying to teach you? He loved us, guys. He, he cared about us. He didn't come down and speak in riddles. He didn't try to confuse us. He came and talked to us in our normal language, in illustrations that everybody could understand. Every farmer walked away that day going, I get it. I understand a little bit more about heaven. I understand what it takes for me to please the God who made all this. The fisherman walks away and goes, I got it. Now, there are religious people, too, that were listening to Jesus, people who are like me that were studying their whole life these things. For me, I'm getting my doctorate. And so it doesn't mean that I have more to be proud of. The Bible actually says I have more to be concerned about because I can become very prideful because knowledge puffs up, the Bible says, but love edifies. So he says, do you understand these things? And, and they reply, yeah, Jesus, we got it. We, we understand what you just told us. We, we get it. We understand that there are, uh, you know, there's a seed and a sower and four types of grounds. And there's weeds and wheat. And, and you're going to, you know, separate them. There's the mustard seed that changes the world. And, yeah, there's yeast that needs to get worked through the dough. And there's hidden treasure and a pearl of great price worth giving up everything for. Yeah, we get the good and bad fish, Jesus. We totally understand where you're coming from. And then he says, therefore, every teacher of the law, every smart person here who's become a disciple in the kingdom is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old and what he meant by that was the one who came here as a teacher who already knew so much he now knows more and if he knows more then everybody knows more the farmer the fisherman and so my friends I actually want to challenge you with the same words of Jesus I mean if I came today and I learned more I want to ask you did you learn more the kingdom of God is far too grand for our earthly brains to understand. However, if we humble ourselves and listen to Jesus' parables, we will understand God's truth and never be the same again. Just as the sun shines through a window, being so far away and greater than what we experience, so is God's presence shining in our lives through Jesus' words. Remember what he said? He said, but the righteous will be like the sun shining in the kingdom of God. Can we just pray together now in closing as the band and ushers come? Father, I thank you today for your word spoken through Jesus. I thank you for these parables that have changed our lives, have informed us. I pray now that we will apply our understanding to them, that we will meditate on them. We'll go back and read them. We'll, we'll apply them. We will not just let it go in one ear and out the other. With every head bowed and eyes closed, which parable spoke to you today? These are the parables of the kingdom. Right now, if one spoke to you, would you just respond in your heart with prayer to God? In a spirit of affirmation, which one spoke to you? The one that talked about, you know, the different kinds of grounds and the, the weeds and the, the shallowness of the seed, the ground, you know, is that you? Then ask God to change your heart today.
Ask him to make you fruitful. Did the weeds and the wheat speak to you? Are you in a situation right now that's terrible and you just wish God would pull up all the weeds around you? But he's telling you, I got you there for a purpose. It's going to make you stronger. Nothing will separate you from my love. Come on, pray to him right now. Are you the kind of person that's doubting? You feel like you don't have much to offer? You're like that mustard seed? Right now, ask God to use that mustard seed to change the world you live in. Do you need the yeast of God's word to penetrate all of your life? Are you hiding things from God? Right now, open up all of the doors of your house. Overturn every hidden place. Open up every drawer and say, Jesus, come in. Come in. Come in. Come into my life. Come into my family. Come into my relationships. Come into my internet use. Come into the musics that I watch, uh, the music I listen to, movies I watch. Come into every part. My social media life, my work life, my education, my family life, my marriage, my sex life. Come on, come into every part. Which parable spoke to you today? Just a few more moments before we dismiss. What parable from Jesus spoke to you? Some of you want to have the treasure of heaven, the pearl of great price, give up everything. You'll never be the same again. This church is full of people that have made that great exchange. Open up your heart. Open your heart and you'll never regret it. And then lastly, are you a good fish? Sounds silly, I know, but are you a good fish? Or do you fear today that you're a part of the bad ones? Don't get thrown out. Repent. Be sure today of your salvation. Say, Lord, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm the keeper. I'm the one you're keeping, not the one you're throwing out. If you died for the world, I know you died for me. If you love the world, I know you love me. But if you said you're going to judge sinners, and if I am one, you'll keep your promise there as well. But, Lord, you said you'd save sinners, so save me. 30 more seconds right now in closing. Which parable applies to you? Pray it out right now. Make it real. Change our lives, oh God. Change our lives, Jesus. Fifteen more seconds. Lives are being changed in this room right now. Ten more seconds. Is he worth it? I believe he is. We're going to close out in prayer, just a short dismissal prayer. When I do, I'm going to ask that those of you who really just want to make some changes in your life, who want to come to Jesus, maybe to be born again for the first time or a rededication to come up. And then the rest of you who just, you know, you've been walking with God, but you've been feeling discouraged, would you come up with him before you go and as we're singing? Because I really want you to know that God is with you and you don't have to quit or be discouraged. You're going to make it. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to have Sister Bertha, would you uh, pray a dismissal prayer? Thank you. Heavenly Father Jesus, I thank you, Father, for Pastor Joel, Lord. Thank you for his uh, anointing, Father, that he speak truth to us, Father, that he is bold to speak, Father. I pray that every single person in this, in this room, Father, that they feel your Holy Spirit tugging into their heart. Father, that they let go of their sin right now today, Father. I pray that they have peace, joy, all that you have for them, Father, as they receive you today, Father, and as they rededicate themselves to you, Father, that they be focused on you. Jesus, you are the only one, Father. Thank you for, the day, for today, Father. Thank you for the sermon that Pastor Joe preached, Father. Let it be residing in our hearts 
throughout the whole week, Father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time, saints. Come on. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's all about